This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Since the turn of the millennium, Liverpool have had a number of close encounters when it comes to delivering that much-valued 19th league title. Of course, in 2019, just a point separated the Reds from the title, while under Brendan Rodgers and Rafael Benitez, 2014 and 2009 also goes down as close shaves. Well, whilst all of those were two horse races, in 2002 the picture was quite different. A year on from winning the treble under Gerard Houllier, Liverpool sat on the cusp of finally delivering the big one. Embroiled in a classic title race with both Manchester United and eventual winners Arsenal. I'm Guy Clark and welcome along to the Blood Red channel as we catch up with a man who led the line for the Reds during those Houllier years, playing a key role in the treble win in 2001 as well as scoring on the night that Julier returned from illness against Roma. Of course, it's a pleasure to welcome Emil Heskey to Blood Red. Firstly, Emil, thanks for joining us, and uh, I hope you're well. No, yeah, thank you for having me, to be honest. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Um, difficult times, but we're uh, we're getting through it. Now, and I suppose times like this, actually, sort of getting a chance to reminisce and look back on sort of good times, sort of helps pass the time as well. Yeah, it does. Um, obviously, we don't usually get a lot of time to look back at things, but yeah, it does uh, give you a lot of time to do that and, and reminisce a little bit as well. And this time of year, for anyone with connections to Liverpool, I suppose brings back good memories as well, because certainly yourself, you think back to that first full season, 2000 and, uh, 2000, 2001, it was a season you went deep in three co- three competitions, obviously won that treble, and I mean... It seems every week that there's sort of little mini anniversaries and the like. Yeah, you know, it was it was just a phenomenal season for us, wasn't it? You know, um, when I moved to when I moved to Liverpool from Leicester, I never foresaw that happening so quickly. You know, you usually have to build yourself up, but we we seem to hit the ground running and um, and do well in the competitions that we were in. Um, you know, it, it would have been nice to sort of really push for the league title but on the on the cup front we were we were awesome yeah and I suppose even back to when you you did sign 11 million pound club record signing at the time I know you actually sort of came into the office back in the autumn and released your book and spoke about all of that time how bizarre I suppose it was for you as what a 22 year old at the time just a, a young lad when that move happened and I suppose it brings pressures with it, but also a complete change of environment that you couldn't really sort of imagine what you'd be going into. Yeah, exactly. And um, you you never know until you actually do what you're actually getting into. And obviously, like you're saying, 22, I was still a young lad when I actually moved to Liverpool. Um, at, uh, just just not long moved out of my parents' house, and so them sort of things we take for granted at times especially being a young person but um, it definitely made me grow up very quickly and but I appreciated everything that, I, that that was going on When you arrived at the club the, the strikers obviously vying for the same position as you Michael Owen you'd had a good, a good record even at youth level with England with Robbie Fowler and I think TT Camera was still at the club at the time yeah. you were coming into a dressing room where there was going to be plenty of competition for places yeah, but the thing is, with competition uh, brings the best out in yourself. And as well, comp- there's so many games we were playing, competition is always healthy. 
Um, you can't play every single game. I think it was 63 games that season. You can't play every single game and be. I think you're going to be on top of your game. You need you need the competition. You need people vying vying for places. You need you need people pushing each other, and that's what we did. How big was it for you having that sort of first three months or so of the previous campaign to settle before that? 2000-2001 season which was to be your best 22 goals in all competitions I suppose having that bit of time to set a win was probably quite key was it? Oh yeah definitely uh, but I, a lot of the time a lot of the players I'd already played with um, with the national team anyway but yeah it was it was great to to have that for that, that end of that um, the previous season just to get settled in to see to, to get used to all the players to get used to the names and everything and after that you just hit the ground running you mentioned right at the top, obviously, how that 2001 season, you won the treble and had a great time in the Cups, but also in the league, in those sort of first two and a half seasons you had at Liverpool, finished fourth in that first year, third in the year you did the treble, and then it was 2001-2, you finished second, and you really seemed to be in the title race all the way sort of right until the end of April. Yeah, look, I think I think when, when you're... Um Chasing it's consistency that you need when you're when you're chasing the um, to try and win the, win the, win the title, and we just didn't have that consistency. We'd, we 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 wasn't far off, but we just wasn't there with the with your likes of Arsenal's and and your Man U's at the time. Um, even the Liverpool now have got it. They've got it in abundance now. They they know how to fight. They know how to fight. They know how to um, to really have a go and. Um, when your back's against the wall and, they get, and and things are not going right, they know how to grind out a result. And we, I don't particularly think we had that. We've gone, your your menus and your arsenals and teams like that weren't our problem. It was the smaller clubs um, who were really fighting for survival. They were the ones that were, put, that were taking points off us. Yeah, I was just looking at that, actually, in respect to sort of how the, how the season played out. And I think the last 15 games of the league campaign, you actually only dropped five points with the, the draw at home to Everton and defeat away at Spurs, the third to last game of the season. But yeah, it was around that Christmas time. You look at it, just West Ham, Bolton, Southampton. They were the kind of sides that you were dropping points to. And ultimately, I suppose that was what was costly. Yeah, definitely. And, and this is why I say, like, even now, when you're looking at the Liverpool team now, they're they're great at just getting getting them results. Whether it be one 0 you don't have to necessarily play get play well every single game, but let's just get a result. And this is this is what, uh, what's phenomenal with the Liverpool team now. And I suppose with that Liverpool team now, we spoke briefly about the the competition for places that you had during your time at Anfield and as much as you had the likes of Fowler and Owen when you arrived obviously Robbie Fowler moved on but the likes of Yari Lippmann came in Nicholas and Elka came in as well it is similar to that sort of ability that Liverpool have obviously at the top end of the pitch now Mane, Salah, Firmino they've been at the club quite a while but under Gerard Houllier the team you were in certainly had a number of star players at the top end of the pitch too yeah, definitely. We we had some good, great players to be honest with you. Um, like you're saying, and yeah, Milan Barros as well came in um, and did very well as a young as a young talent. Um, Nico, Nicholas, and Elka. Um, so yeah, we had we had all that pushing each other and and striving to be better. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. What was that partnership with Nicholas and Elka like for you? Because obviously everyone remembers the one with. 
Michael Owen for England and for Liverpool. But that six months or so that Nicholas and Elka was at Anfield, you and him started plenty of games together. Yeah, we did well together. You know, we, we had a good understanding and everything clicked quite well. Um, he's a phenomenal player. Um, even in, And he showed it even then. Uh, he, he, he had a lot to offer. Um, I was surprised that we didn't keep him. But, uh, you know, it was, it was just one of those things. Um, but yeah, he, he, was a, he was a phenomenal player and probably underrated in a sense. I think a lot of people will look at him and say, yeah, they know how good he was. But um, some people don't realise how actual good Nicholas Anelka was. His ability, how sharp he was, how, how clinical he was when it comes to finishing, um, how quick he was. Um, you know, he, he had everything. Yeah, I think a lot of people, as you say, remember him as that teenage sensation that burst on the scene at Arsenal, running in behind and scoring goals. But at Liverpool, he was something quite different, wasn't he? He was sort of dropped off a bit, linked play a fair bit. And that technical skill set that you sort of mentioned, it was something that people perhaps don't appreciate to his game. Yeah, I think, but he was more refined when he came to 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 Liverpool, wasn't he? he was he was um, he was more of a senior player. He's he's an old. He was an older player, as in what? What? He would only have been about twenty three, actually 24, 23, 24. Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he but he'd been around. He'd been to Real Madrid. He'd been he played in different different countries. Um, if you look at the clubs he'd had, it uh, was it PSG, Real Madrid, and Arsenal. So he'd actually had a lot of clubs and. And learned a lot about football in itself in different different aspects. So, you know, we were getting we were getting a good a good player, um, a great player when it came to it. And that summer, of course, Liverpool didn't take on the opportunity to buy him. He went to Man City, and El Hadjouf came in instead. And everyone talks with Liverpool during that sort of time of the final piece in the jigsaw, the last signing to get Liverpool over the line. And you do just wonder, obviously it's great with hindsight, able to look back on it, but with him available for a full campaign, perhaps what you guys could have then gone on and done in that, that following season, where things perhaps began to unravel somewhat. Yeah, look, I think, I think um, without a doubt, it was, it was one that was missed. Um, not signing um, Nicholas and Elka, but you know you move on and uh, you, you, you try and you try and push forward. But he was like we're saying, he, he was a phenomenal player. And players like that, and you're and you're not accepting. Uh, you're not thinking. Them. It can cut. It can sometimes come to bite you on bite you on your backside. And I suppose the disappointment with that 2000. 2001-2 season obviously you finished second in the league that was a great run but also obviously there'd been the issues off the pitch with Gerard Houllier's health and in the Champions League that campaign sort of your goal against Roma as well really sort of highlighting the emotion behind the club on the night that Gerard came back obviously from the layoff that he'd had but I suppose that next round the quarterfinals against Bayer Leverkusen having won that first leg at home Sammy Hippier getting the goal the defeat away in Germany must have been a tough one to take yeah, it was. Um, I don't think I don't think we got any. I don't think we got complacent or anything. I just, you know, it was just a, dis, a, a huge disappointment that we didn't we didn't finish it off. Um, we were that close, you know. Like you're saying, we'd won the we'd won the we'd won the um, the home leg. So it's just about stay, staying solid and 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 getting getting the result we needed. And we never managed to do that. And 
that was the closest I ever got to um, getting to a Champions League semi-final. So, yeah, disappointed, to be honest. Yeah, and of course, Leverkusen will go on to the final. They played Man United in the, the, the following round as well, if I'm not mistaken. And that would have been some tie as well between you guys and them guys. But as you say, looking at the Liverpool side currently, they are a side that, I mean, it, it defies belief, really. I was looking at the, the statistics and all sorts of numbers. And that title race that was between you, Arsenal and Man United in 2002 went right to the end of April. Only four points in it, I think, between the top three. Whereas now, Liverpool, of course, when the league was suspended, a full 25 points clear. Yeah. But that's testament to them. You know, they you could easily take your foot off the pressure, to, um, take your foot off the pedal and, and coast. Maybe not turn up for one or two games and, and, still, and still be 10 points ahead. But they didn't want that. They, they, the managers really, really put, them, put, um, put pressure on them to to perform, to to be that be at their best every single game, every single training session, and that's what you're getting. That's what you're getting. You're getting results like this. You get you're getting 25 points ahead of everyone else. That's what you get when you actually you're relentless in in your pursuit of what you want. And obviously, there's no feeling that Liverpool, when the league is concluded, will sort of throw this away at all. It would be completely unprecedented to see anything like that. But they've overcome every obstacle that has been put before them. And I suppose this, what, with five, six weeks without football right now, is just another one of those hurdles that this side will have to overcome when we do get back into the action. Yeah, definitely. I think it's not just for them, it's for everyone. Um you know, it's, it's it's overcoming that hurdle, like you're saying, as of um, having everything shut down when really you should be going into the uh, the business end of football, where people are looking at who's being relegated, who's winning, who's going into Europe, etc., um, etc. Et We're hearing more and more that it seems as though the season's going to get concluded behind closed doors. And just your thoughts on that, because this Liverpool side seems to be one that really does sort of feed off the crowd. The amount of late goals we see them score, for example, is something that sort of seems to keep them going. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think it has to, at this moment in time, the way everything's going, I think that's the only option to play in front of um, uh, no, having no, no crowd, to be honest, because uh, that's the safest way of doing it. But again, it's got to be safe for the players. It's got to be safe for for whoever's at the stadium um, as well. So um, they've got a big... It's a big task because I don't know how you're going to do it. I, I don't know. I'm guessing you'll have to be tested 24-7 um, just in case you're, you, you, do, you do have it and you're, you're, you're unwittingly bringing it into into um, the camp or anything like that. Yeah, and I, I suppose thinking about it all uh, as well and everything, it's, it's a complete minefield, hopefully, that the games can get sorted and fans can return as soon as possible. But yourself, Emil, with over four years uh, spent at, at Liverpool at Anfield, I suppose you would never have, in, have envisaged that when Liverpool did eventually get their hands back on a league title, of course, that the fans wouldn't be there to celebrate the, celebrate it. Because obviously they're, they're such a massive part of the club. Yeah, no, nah, you would never envisioned that, to be honest with you. It's, it's, uh, who, who, uh, you never envisioned um, this even happening. So, let alone um, after 30 years, not winning, winning, the, winning the league and then suddenly um, 
a pandemic hits when you're when you basically got one hand on it or more than one hand on it to be honest. But yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult one to take. But I think obviously safety is safety is paramount, and and this is what we this is what everyone's going to be thinking about ahead of um, anything else. And just from the, the player's perspective, yourself obviously not too long out of the game and, and footballers are creatures of habit going into the training ground at 10am or whenever it is every morning, having your set routine and everything. I suppose this period, without knowing when exactly you're going back to training, must be quite unsettling for some. Yeah, I think I think mentally it's unsettling because like you're saying, um, we're used to certain... Um, the, uh, things being done a certain way, so you you know, you 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 literally know your whole day before. We used to have months set out for us, so you know your whole month. And now to not know what's what's happening, you're not knowing when you're getting up, you're not knowing when you're training, you're not knowing when you're going to the game, you're not knowing anything. That is a tough one. Well, Emil, it's been great to uh, catch up with you and, and have a chat. Hope you keep safe, obviously, during all of this. And it won't be too long, I suppose, until we're back at the football watching the games and watching the season play out. Fingers crossed. Thank you very much. Emil Heskey with us here on the Blood Red channel, looking back at his Anfield days and, of course, that strike partnership with Nicholas and Elko, which I suppose leads us to think what could have been at Anfield, perhaps. Well, thanks a lot to Emil for his time and also to you for listening in here on the Blood Red channel. Hope you're safe and you're well. And until next time, bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.